Welcome to the Happy Menopause Podcast. I'm Jackie Lynch, nutritional therapist and author of the books Vavavoom, The 10-Day Energy Diet and The Right Bite, Smart Food Choices for Eating on the Go. There are so many ways that diet and lifestyle can help to relieve a whole range of menopause symptoms. So join me on a journey through midlife and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. Happy World Menopause Day, everyone. Over the past year, the taboo around discussing the menopause has been gradually chipped away, which is great. And it's widely featured on the news, social media, and there's been specials on Radio 4's Women's Hour and BBC Breakfast TV. So all good stuff, but there's very little portrayal of the menopause in the arts. And have I got a treat for you today, because I want to tell you all about a new play called Midlife, which is coming to the Barbican in London in February 2020. And we have two free tickets to give away. So keep listening to find out how you could be the lucky winner. But first, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, Silk, who make it possible for me to produce this podcast. Vaginal dryness can be a real problem during the perimenopause and the menopause. It can cause itching and discomfort, painful sex, and make it difficult to insert a tampon or to use a topical oestrogen dispenser. So I'd like to say a big thank you to Silk, not just for supporting this podcast, but for offering a gentle and natural solution for women with vaginal dryness. Their plant-based formula is made in New Zealand with kiwi vine gum extract. It's a natural lubricant, which is water-based and pH-friendly, so that it gently soothes vaginal dryness and irritation helping you rediscover your love life. It's available at all chemists and off the shelf in larger boot stores. Visit silk.co.uk to order your free sample. And so on to today's episode. I'm delighted to be speaking to author Sheila Chapman, who's written a play called Midlife, which charts the experiences of three very different women and their journey through the menopause. Dr. Isabel de Salis is also joining us remotely, and her research project is an important part of the picture. It's based on a series of interviews with menopausal women, and Sheila used this to develop the themes of the play and to give the characters a truly authentic voice. So if you come to see the play, and I really hope you do, I'm pretty sure you'll recognise several of the challenges they face so that you'll laugh and cry along with them. Let's find out more. Welcome to the Happy Menopause, Sheila and Isabel. I'm very excited to hear all about this play. Thank you, Jackie, for having us. Sheila, I'd like to start with you. What's your story? You've got such an interesting profile with this combination of corporate work, community work, and of course your writing. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. What inspired you? What was your journey? Okay, uh, well, it, it was a very sort of traditional one uh, initially, university, and uh, I'm a solicitor and I worked in London and New York for 20 years doing derivatives, so corporate finance, um, very, very full on. Um, But I always liked to write sort of in the background at night when I was on on my own. I was always in writers groups in New York. Um, And then finally, when I I was on my third maternity leave, I thought, wow, I'm never going to be given a a year off work um, and be be paid ever again. So let me do a master's in creative writing. So, sorry, you had three little ones. Yes. And a master's um, in creative writing. Quite close together, but I thought this is the... This is the last chance, possibly, because I'm not going to have any more children. So I don't have to go to work for a year. Let me let me use the time. And wow. so that's what I did while the baby was was asleep. And that I I worked on a novel during during that year of creative writing. And 
that was a sort of that was a turning point for me really that novel went on to win the Bridport Prize uh, and actually then subsequently three things happened very very quickly which made me sort of want to reevaluate my life I um I turned 40 I I lost my mother and I was made redundant so that made me sort of look at my 20 years in investment banking and think actually is this how I want to spend the the second half of my life perhaps perhaps not Right, that's interesting. I when I turned forty, I gave up my job and went off to study nutrition. Right. So I completely understand that that sort of what do you call it a kind of seminal moment in life, isn't it? Where you it think really it's was. time for a change. It really was, and I'd I think I, at that point I'd done the masters in creative writing, and because I've won that prize, I had some confidence, and I thought, you know, actually, let me. I, I want to sort of lead a radically different life. So I. I worked in the law for a bit longer, but then I stopped. And I, I, in fact, I stood to be a Labour councillor in Islington, where I live. And I was duly elected last year. And so that's now what I do alongside, I was appointed a, a, a prisons monitor at Pentonville. So those are the things I do, along with writing this play and working on my second novel. And Oh, my goodness. So, OK, let's just un- unpick that, because that's a lot of stuff. You are a busy woman. What's the Bridport Prize? The Bridport Prize um, is, a for, is, a, is a prize for an unpublished uh, novelist. Bridport's down in Dorset, um, and it's uh, look, it's, it's a very, it's a very prestigious prize. It's about there's about eight, nine thousand sort of, um, I think, en- entrants every year. I think it's been in existence for, for for four or five years, and I think it's a prize that's sponsored by A.M. Heath Literary Agency, and that was what was so brilliant for me because winning it meant that I also secured an agent who was help, able ah. to help me, you know, really finesse the novel that I've spent two decades writing and it's going to be finally published next year. So that was that was really great. And also just to have the validation of, look, you're not just someone who writes um, alone in their bedroom. You've actually, you've won a prize. You can say you are a writer and, and yes. it's really confidence building. I can imagine they're not just a hobby, they yeah. a proper writer. It did, gave that endorsement that yeah. sadly so many women, we feel we need it, I don't know, we? I know, I needed someone to say, oh, actually, it is good. Yeah. You know. Wow, that's amazing. So you're working on a second novel at the moment? Yes, I'm working on, so the first novel, it had to be, you know, a lot of sort of reworking, rewriting, and, and that's gone well. But what, I guess what I'm really working on is the play, because midlife, it's um, still very much a work in, in progress. And we're, as we share it with different types of audiences, we tweak it. As we gather together more research and we hear more voices, we, we change and add, add to the play, ready for it to premiere in, in February. So I'm working on, on that. OK, so let's plunge straight in. Midlife, the play. I love the title. What's it all about? What's it about? Well... I suppose what we wanted to do is depict the journey that women go on um, in, in midlife. And we sort of thought about, you know, talk about the five stages of grief or how many stages it is. And we thought, well, what are the stages of midlife? What are the stages of menopause? And how do we how do we address them in an interesting way? So we thought, well, you know, and, and Isabel can, can talk about her, her research, but very much influenced by the, the research that she did and, and shared with us. But we you know, we thought we looked at grief um, that women experience loss of, of parents, of careers, of relationships, of their youth, of their fertility. We looked at sort of some of the physiological symptoms and the, the emotional ones, the sort of anxiety, the forgetfulness, but also some of the really, um, perhaps some of the physical symptoms that don't get talked about, things like 
flooding. Um, that, oh, you know, that was my personal favourite. Yeah, yeah, and and that was actually news to me. I'm I'm 44. I'm not I'm not yet menopausal, and and actually talking to women to to help me write this play and talking to the actors who were in it, it was the first time I'd heard that word. And I thought, yeah. and you know, that I guess that sort of goes to the reason why we, we really want to address this. It's not something women t- talk about, or perhaps you know, our generation or the first generation of women who are sort of opening up about. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I remember feeling quite cheated because I didn't know a great deal about the menopause in my 40s and I knew a couple of things. I knew that you got hot flushes Mm. and I knew that your periods got lighter and further apart, except they didn't. Yes. (laughs) They got closer together and way heavier and flooding. And it was, it was, until I worked out what on earth was going on, it was really unpleasant and difficult. It's really, and that's what we've, um, and especially sort of speaking to women also in different cultures, mm. it's often really not spoken about. And when you think about sort of all the effort that goes into talking about puberty and adolescence and childbirth and that kind of thing, and that is something we all talk about as women amongst ourselves. But I feel like menopause is still quite a taboo. And if we're, if and when it is addressed, it can often be in a jokey sort of, ah, oh, you know, hot flush and get out a fan and forgetting people's names when actually, you know, some of these... Uh, experiences that some women have are really crippling and that kind of explains why women drift out of the workplace and lose their confidence and are just sort of marginalised in in different ways so for us the play is also very political. Yeah yeah I can quite see that. So um, how did you and Isabel connect? What's her role in this? Yeah so Isabel and I well it was uh, Claire really so Claire is the she's an actor in the play but she's also um, you know it was her idea she's a theatre maker who I met sort of through the Fabian Society, which is a political organisation. And Claire, when she was 44 a few years ago, she started experiencing symptoms of perimenopause, a word that neither she nor I had heard before. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Um, And she didn't know, I mean, she sort of had anxiety. She was experiencing grief at the loss of her father. She was having all kinds of symptoms and she didn't know, but no one had said perimenopause. Um, I suppose, you know, as is often the case, you go to the doctors and they say, well, you're anxious, you're depressed here, have you know, have some pills. So she kind of did some some reading into it and realised that, oh, I'm going through perimenopause, which was itself for her at 44, a very confronting thing to kind of face. Yes, it seems just too young. It seems too young, yeah. And I'm sure that when it happens to any of us, it seems, you know, it feels like the end of of youth. She found that difficult, but she thought, oh. Listen, in my head, I still think I'm about 29. Yes, that's that's how old I feel too. (laughs) And she thought, why am I not? Yeah, why am I not seeing my story that I'm experiencing now? Why am I, why am I not seeing it anywhere? And how can I, and as a theatre maker, she then felt I want to tell this story my own and that of, of other women. I see. Okay, so let's hand over to Isabel. Isabel, what's what's your background and connection with the menopause? I was a doctor a long time ago, and I kind of got. I kind of realised I didn't want to stay being a doctor. And then I, at that time, I became a medical anthropologist. What's that? A medical anthropologist is someone who studies, very simplistically, cultural processes related to health, healing, disability, bodies, that sort of stuff, sickness, health. I worked in Malawi for a few years, working with spiritual healers in Malawi on healing processes there. And then I came back to the UK and worked in the university in Bristol Uni being a lecturer and researcher. Then I got to a particular point where the opportunity came up, just as I was sort of getting to the end of my 40s of doing a project on menopause. And I thought, yes, this is what I need to do. I need to learn about menopause for myself. And this, what a fantastic way of doing it. 
if we understand menopause as a cultural process, I went around interviewing about 50 women, done more since then, but this, this project was 50 women, and talked to them about their experiences, their attitudes, um, and what they were going through. And it was a, so some women hadn't gone into menopause, some were right in the middle of it, and some were coming out of it. Oh, um, I see. So it makes complete sense. I mean, when you talk about sort of medical anthropology, that all of that background and cultural side of things and emotional and what's going on, it entirely relates to, to the menopause. I can see how completely important it would be to, to look at all of that from that perspective. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You've got it, Jackie. Uh, wow. And, yeah. And so, 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 the, so, so, I, so I just immersed myself in the world of menopause, both in myself and through other women. Right. Um, and, and when did you start that? Start that about 2012. Right, okay. And are you still working in the menopause arena? I am still working in the menopause arena, but not at Bristol University. I left Bristol University about a year or two ago because I realised, actually, I didn't want to be an academic for the rest of my life. And I, I needed see. to get out okay. of So I became okay. a psychotherapist. Just like that? But, and well, no, it wasn't quite just like that. There was a kind of... <laughs> menopause was part of that transition for me. So you've done so many interesting things and really relevant to what we're talking about today. But how did all that come together so that you connected with Sheila? Before I left Bristol University, I put on a menopause morning for women in ah, Bristol. Okay. Uh, to about 200. I met up with Claire, who's the theatre director of Diversity, who's putting on the play of Midlife. And she supported me doing this. I realised talking to her that she wanted to put on a play about menopause and midlife. And then I became her kind of source for helping her do that, her research material for helping her do that. Okay, so that all makes sense. So just briefly back to you, Sheila. Once you'd connected with Isabel, where did you go from there? Isabel was able to share some of her findings from her uh, thesis that she, that she, uh, she says that she did on... Um, uh, women's experience of menopause and that was great because that enabled us to kind of pick out some of the things we wanted to explore because you know Isabel sp spoke to many many women for many many hours you know it was really sort of got, got people's very visceral stories women in their early 50s their mid 50s um, talking about their, ch their children leaving their parents uh, passing away their, their, their marriages and their, and their careers and we very much wanted to capture capture those those voices it makes it really authentic doesn't it it's not just an imaginary menopause yes. this is drawn on the experience of tens or possibly hundreds I'm not sure of yes women. Isabel's research also the experience so we're very much you know the, the three sort of principal actors in the play and they are women who are you know Claire is 48 uh, Jackie and Karen um, are in their 50s these are menopausal women and right you know okay. so, really capturing their life experience uh, as well. Okay, so Isabel, let's let's hand over to you. Um, what can you tell us about the research? Were there particular patterns that you saw? Uh, any recurring themes or surprises? Um, tell us more. I talked to about 50 women, and every time I talked to a woman, I was thinking, that is my experience. I really relate to that. So all of the women I talked to had their own unique experiences of going through menopause, their own particular way of going through menopause. However, there were common themes, as you might imagine. And I was mm. really interested in the common themes. And I was really interested in what, there were, seemed to be three dominant ways that we go through menopause. And the first dominant way was that menopause was natural and normal. And either we didn't notice 
ourselves going through menopause or we work darn hard not to notice ourselves going through menopause. Right. So, you know, we say things like, I'm not going to have a menopause. And if we suddenly start noticing things like symptoms, we tend to downplay them. We think, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, just get on with it. Those kind of those kind so of voices. Full on stiff upper lip type approach. Exactly. Being quite stoical mm. and, and thinking just be positive. You know, being positive is great, but not when it there's a bit of denial going on. So there was that sort of that dominant way of looking at menopause of being sort of normal, natural, it's inevitable, it's going just going to happen and get on with it. And the down, slight downside of that that way of going through menopause was it could be quite judgmental about other women who are having a hard time. So sometimes and I recognise this in myself, sometimes we think, oh, why are they making such a meal out of it? You know, why are they slamming doors when they're so irritated? Uh, mm. Why are they uh, complaining about their hot flushes? There can be a slight judgmentalism coming in there. Then the, the second dominant way of understanding menopause or experiencing menopause, going through menopause, was a complete loss and distress. This was so in this version of menopause, this experience of menopause, it really affected us. It, it, it changes us. We are no right. longer the people we were before. Whereas in the first version, it didn't really affect us. It didn't really change us. And we didn't yes. want it to change us. Mm-hmm. Okay. In this one, we were changed, whether we chose to be changed or not. So women were and hit much harder in this group. Definitely. Yes. And it wasn't just through their what was the physical sensations in their bodies. It wasn't just because they had overwhelming things going on in their bodies, whether it was overwhelming anxiety or overwhelming hot flushes or night sweats or depression. I mean, that, that all happened. Oh, oh, just huge irritation. You know, suddenly you see the washing up hasn't been done and you just erupt, you know, completely in a way that you've never done before. There was All that was going on. But there was also this, it was the image of menopause, the image of menopause being about loss, loss of youth, loss of attractiveness, loss of fertility. Mm. your biological usefulness is over one woman described it to me as there's no more seeds in the apple tree oh the, dear the sort of, yeah oh, i know horrible a real the, the sense barren, of mourning about the whole thing yeah a real sense of mourning a real sense of grief and tied up with the fact that there might also be things going on in the family life which is changing like your children leaving home or divorces yes. or all that stuff redundancy all that stuff going on at the same time so mm. So lots happening on lots of different levels, you know, the social level and also your psychological level. And the third uh, group? And, and also, and, and with that feeling quite stigmatised by other people, right. and that you can't talk about anybody, which then makes it worse. Mm. And the mm. third group, uh, or the third way of un- experiencing it, was a, is, as menopause is transformational, as liberatory, and suddenly a, a new beginning. Quite often, very surprisingly to these women, they suddenly realised this was happening to them. And they hadn't expected it, particularly if they'd had a really hard time. Right. They suddenly thought, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Actually, this is great. Uh, suddenly, my so, things, are, things are changing. And I've, you know, I've been through the wilderness years and I'm coming out of them. So one woman described to me, she said, you know, I thought um, I, I, got, I got together with my new partner and I thought, I'm going to have to tell him that nothing works down there anymore. You know, I've got no libido. I've got... Uh, it's it's the end. If he wants his exit ticket, that's absolutely fine. And then she turned around to me and she said, and do you know what? 
I, I, I told, I, you know, I told him the shop was shut and everything was closed. And he said, she said, do you know what? He opened up the bloody shut doors, shop doors, put out the awnings, and I'm having a fantastic time. And <laughs> Brilliant. Was, yeah, it was just, so, so women were coming out. We were all coming out with these new experiences. We really weren't expecting. We really weren't expecting them because that notion of menopause as being transformational and liberatory is the one that's least expressed and least talked about. It's beginning to change now. That, that, that's the voice you don't really hear. So I think menopause then becomes really political because it's been so taboo and so squashed. We're not recognising it as this powerful rite of passage that is a really important moment in our lives where we do change and are changed. Um, and that seems to me the, a really good reason to put on the, put on the play midlife. I couldn't agree more. That's fascinating stuff, and you're doing really important work. Thanks for sharing it with us, Isabel. So, Sheila, so based on, on all of that, how did you re- use the research to craft the script? I mean, what themes did you draw out of that that you explored in the play? I suppose one of the central themes that came out um, was that women at this point in their lives had spent a lot of their time, a lot of their energy in the service of others. Um, so whether they've been raising children, whether they've been pursuing a, a, a career or sort of investing time in a relationship. And that's sort of something we also wanted to explore that the midlife, that menopause isn't just um, about a lot of things ending, the end of fertility and youth and so on. It's actually it has the potential for sort of transformation and actually liberation because you are not, you know, it is the age when your children might be leaving. It is the age when you might be sort of moving into a seat or be able to sort of refocus yourself on your career. Mm. Um, so we really, that did come out of, you know, a, a lot of um, Isabel's work that women were sort of some grasping with both hands, some maybe tentative, but they were thinking, oh, I've got a lot of life left to live. And actually I don't, you know, perhaps I'm no longer looking after my elderly parents. I'm no longer looking after my kids. What can I do? What should I do? Mm-hmm. Okay. So is there a story? What can you tell us without too many spoilers? Yeah. Um, so Claire, I guess the, the, the three actors we've got, you know, Claire is sort of white, middle-class, married, heterosexual woman um, with, a, with a child. And, and part of it, you know, we wanted to play with that idea of kind of decentering that, that narrative of the menopause, which I think, you know, the story of the menopause or how we see it um, presented it in the media, it can often seem very white, very middle class, lots of women doing sort of yoga and wearing linen shirts and taking HRT or whatever. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we've got, you know, two other actors. Uh, Jackie is um, a black woman. She's a grandmother. Um, so she's a very different, you know, she had her children young, um, she had immigrant background. What's it like to not see yourself reflected in the dominant sort of narrative uh, menopause? And then Karen is gay. Um, she's currently single. So again, that's not, you know, what about you? you when, we, when we think about menopause, we think about women and, and, then, and in long relationships with men and, you know, what are, the, what are the difficulties they might be experiencing or loss of libido or difficulties having sex? We don't often hear about uh, lesbian women. We don't often hear about trans women, you know. So part of our story is trying to kind of play with that idea of decentering the the very white middle class heterosexual story in a in a serious way but also in a in a, in a funny way and we worked with uh, Lucy Richardson is, is the director and the play grew out of sort of workshops and with our actors to kind of get at their stories you know what was their life like growing up and 
And part of it, actually, all three of them, their mothers are still uh, alive, women, great women in their 70s and 80s. So talking to them and actually got really brilliant recordings of each of our actors effectively interviewing their mothers about their experience of menopause, which was really amazing. Interesting. And it's, it's a really interesting point you make, actually, because I think for years nobody talked about it. We all just got on with it. And we're, I think, the first generation who are daring to speak out and not be prepared to put up and shut up. However, that voice has been rather claimed, as you say, mm. by um, sort of educated white middle class women. Nothing wrong with that. We all have the menopause. Mm. But that's the point. We all have it. It happens to every woman on the planet. And I think it's great that you're trying to speak to all demographics, all social um, classes, so that you're, everybody's getting that information, because I think that's a big challenge right now. It's a really big challenge. And what's really great about this story is that in the, you know, it's still a working progress, but it has seen audiences in different places. And lots of women, lots of really diverse women have, you know, they wanted to come and talk to us afterwards, and they wanted to share their stories. Um, and, and that's been tremendous. And we've actually, as well as sort of um, having the play and taking that hopefully around the country to lots of different types of spaces, we're also there's going to be a book called Midlife that will accompany the, the play. And so it will really enable us to capture even an even greater diversity of, of voices sort of, um, you know, we really want to want to hear from disabled women, women from different um, BAME backgrounds. Um, I'm half Indian myself and I've, you know, I've spoken to some of my relatives, my older relatives, and it's just been really interesting. You know, for example, in, there's no word for menopause in Hindi. So that's right. you know, that's fascinating. And, right, that is interesting. Um, and how it's perceived as actually in that culture where, um, you know, women who are menstruating or childbearing age, you know, they can't go into temples in, 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 some, uh, in, in some situations, they can't go into parts of their own home, they can't go into the kitchen, um, that when you reach uh, menopause and postmenopause, it's incredibly liberating, you know, you're free, you're free in the public space, you're free in the private space. Um, and so, yeah, but just not having a word for it was interesting and thinking about why that might be. Um, so mm, interesting you mentioned the book is that the is that the script of the play or is it a book based on the play a tie-in what, what is it lots of uh, so so an, an accompaniment to the play but to kind of capture some of the other voices that in a 90 minute show we're not able to 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 do so it'll be you know yes there'll be parts of there'll be parts of the play parts of the script but there'll also be photography there'll be drawings there'll be poetry there'll be monologues that you know com- completely unrelated to the play there'll be almost sort of perhaps more and and, and Isabel will, will be co-authoring that with with me and and also with Claire and so there'll be her you know her her research and, and her findings yeah looking at it in a, in a political in a in in a more political way what can we do not just about seeing the men we want to stop seeing the menopause as as something to be confronted and dealt with but rather you know why can't we be symptomatic in the workplace how can we make the workplace change to Mm. accommodate us rather than yeah or rather you know not what can we what pills can we take what exercise can we do to combat it but you know how does society need to change Mm-hmm. Interesting, because of course, when you look at some cultures, the, the the older women are considered the sages and the the, the sort of most important yeah. people in the tribe, and yet somehow, a lot of women postmenopause are, are feeling very invisible, actually losing confidence, getting more anxious, and 
And it's a shame because, as you say, it should be a time that's more liberating than anything else. Yes, I think, yeah, especially in Western society, which, you know, you, you don't see yourself. I mean, there are with a few sort of very famous and notable exceptions, you don't see yourself um, in the media, in adverts, in films. Um, uh, and you're sort of, yes, you're not you're not revered, but you're, you're rather f- sidelined. Um, and a, a play, the play sort of addresses that and sort of, definitely through the lens of, of Jackie as a black woman who, you know, has very often been the only black woman in the room and has been silenced and has not been able to sort of uh, express herself. So we've, we've, we've come, come at it through the, through the lens of, you know, age and, and also race. Yes, so multiple different perspectives, which mm. is just great. And it is, it is really exciting. I can't wait to see it because, of course, we are not represented. Mm. <laughs> we are not represented in the media. You don't get films about menopausal women or plays about menopausal women you might get the odd documentary but um, that's not the same thing at all and frankly very often they don't tend to reflect many women at all either I think you see it either sort of trivialized uh, in a jokey way particularly the physical symptoms Mm. um, or you do see it as a very sort of um, yeah a a white and affluent kind of problem that you know that isn't the reality of a lot of women who are experiencing financial hardship or other kinds of hardship that that, that can, can dealing with the menopause is is yeah. you know it's not something they can that's not their campaign that's um, yeah absolutely and fra- you know frankly without naming names it was a little bit frustrating with a recent documentary to see that um it was all about having your own private gynecologist because yeah. simply most of us just don't have that no unfortunately <laughs> no no we don't um, but right. it's no i think i think it's terrific what you're doing and i think i'm trying to think of when i've seen anything so powerfully representative and celebratory about women and the only thing I can think of the top of my head is the vagina monologues yeah which I probably saw all about 20 years ago now yes um and which was just so ahead of its time in terms of celebrating femininity female sexuality and so on exactly I think we've thought we've thought about the vagina monologues and that is um I'm I mean, that was really radical. And I think yeah. in the same way, this is radical because it's radical to see women with grey hair, uh, um, you know, dancing, being irreverent, swearing, experiencing rage on stage, you know, talking about some kind of taboo su- subjects. I think, um, you know, we thought about the vagina monologues and how this kind of, how, the, how, the, how, how our play s- speaks to that. And I think right. um, the, the thing about the vagina monologues is that they were sort of, disparate monologues and in and that mm. way they were great capturing different voices whereas ours is the, the story of three women we follow mm. those three women and we, and we get their stories and although there's other voices through audio and of course because we're doing a book as well um it is um in a sense sort of more conventional in that you do follow the thread of three women right right brilliant so where's it been performed so far and how did that go well, uh, we performed at the Bristol Old Vic. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. They have a, a festival called the Ferment Festival, which is a festival. Uh, we did it in July of work in progress, um, which was brilliant. So we, we had two sold out performances there um, of, of the play as a work in progress, although we did sort of a full kind of 90 minute play. And, it, and we had a great response um, and a really mixed audience, men, women across the across age ranges, um, straight gay and you know what we've found which we've you know every time we performed it we found this people don't want to leave the space afterwards and so what we try to do when we perform it now is to create a space afterwards where the actors and myself and Lucy's director can can stay and can and can actually 
talk to people and capture, maybe record their stories, take a picture of them. And, you know, maybe that will find its way into the book or that will find its way into a later iteration of the play so that it's a very dynamic thing. Um, Amazing. That sounds really great. And of course, the hot news is that you're coming to the Barbican in London. Yeah, which is amazing. So out of um, performing at the Bristol Old Vic and uh, subsequently at the High Tide Festival in, in Aldborough, you know, we are... Um, we are getting bookings now. So in, in February next year, uh, between the 17th and the 23rd, we will have a week's run at the Barbican. We will also have two weeks at the Bristol Old Vic. And, you know, our, our producer Selma is talking to other venues up and down the country to, um, you know, we're hoping for, for six, seven, eight week run. But what we also really want to do and what we're, we're fundraising for is as well as, you know, in fantastic venues like the Bristol Old Vic and the Barbican, we want to take it to workplaces, we want to take it into community centres, we want to take it into church halls and other places of worship. We want it to be seen by as many women as possible. We want to be able to put on shows or parts of the show for free in libraries or wherever. Right, so that right. you know and people who might not be the natural audience exactly. of the Barbican or the Bristol Old Vic. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Well the great news listeners is that um, Sheila has kindly donated two tickets And if you listen on at the end, I'll tell you how you can enter to get a chance to win those. Um, I will be buying my ticket as soon as they become available. So what's the plan? How can people get tickets if they don't win our lucky competition? As I say, at the Bristol Old Vic in February and also in March at the Barbican uh, in February. So they'll be available on the websites of those um, theatres towards the end of this year. Okay. well, what I'll do is I'll make sure that links to those websites go on the show notes. Uh, for this podcast episode so anyone can visit my website and and link through and I'll certainly be doing plenty of social media because Mm. I think what you're doing is absolutely brilliant you you know and what a way to celebrate world menopause day by chatting to you so finally then what what are your ambitions for the play you've talked about bringing it out to communities I mean um, have you got other thoughts about how you might spread the word Yes, I mean, I think we want it to through, through the book, uh, so that's going to be published by Red Press, and we want that to be, you know, we do want to, to travel to places, we want to talk about it, we want to be involved in political campaigns, looking at how do workplaces need to change, how do laws need to change. As I say, we want to we want it to be a, a sort of, we're looking at a second run maybe in the autumn um, of, of next year, so that the play will be dynamic and and when audiences come and women and actually I should say also men give feedback that the the, the play sort of continues to have a life. Right so it's an evolving um, project essentially. But I think really important to just open up the conversation you know across the board but particularly in spaces where it's you know it's not spoken about and I know um, Isabel in her research um, has had focus groups with with women from, from the Bangladeshi community and and, you know, it was really sort of poignant hearing from those women about how menopause is seen not as a sort of natural uh, physical part of life, but as rather just a, an illness that, you know, women tend to be ill from the age of 50 onwards. So, yeah, counter, sort of challenging those things and, and getting women to talk, talk to each other and, and sort of intergenerationally when our actors interviewed their mothers. That was really interesting to sort of women in their 70s and 80s saying, well, I've never spoken about this before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and anyway, why do you want to make a play about menopause? Um, who's going to watch that? And actually opening up. Um, oh, I think we're going to be queuing up to watch it. I yeah. have no doubt about that. hope so. So you mentioned fundraising earlier. Um, 
How can people support what you're doing? Is there a fundraising yes, website? Yes, we've, we've, la- we've launched a crowdfunder um, and we are also looking to, you know, we'd, we'd really like high profile women um, to, to get behind this. And we'd like, you know, wherever possible, we'd like the show not just to be a sort of play that gets performed and then people disappear, but for, for it to be, um, you know, where possible an event and for us to have discussion afterwards and for women um, you know that you might have heard of to kind of participate in that and to spread the word and you know you do you do see menopause you know there was a wonderful part of um, the recent series Fleabag with Kristen Scott oh, Thomas yes. and you know she gave that amazing sort of it was just a, it was just a part but it was great so women like that we want to sort of reach out to them you know it is there is um, you know you hear on Women's Hour and and, and it, it is slowly beginning to kind of gain we want to kind of build on that momentum and right. you know so yes the crowd, crowdfunder and uh crowdfunder and and just sort of trying to get to get high profile women uh on on board and lynn franks kindly hosted in somerset a, a fundraiser for us where bits of the play was performed so slowly and surely we are getting the word right out. yes so sort of grassroots yes. level reaching out brilliant well send me the link i'll make sure i pop the link to the crowdfunder on the show notes as well thank you that is just so exciting well listen um great talking to you brilliant work that you're doing and talk about going out there to bust the myth, mm-hmm. the, the taboo rather, if en- ever anything could do that, I think midlife the play can. So thanks very much for joining me Thank today. Thank you for having us, Jackie. What an amazing story. I really admire Sheila's determination to get the message out there and to raise awareness of the menopause at a community level. This is exactly what's needed. If you'd like to support midlife the play, I've posted a link to the crowdfunder on the episode show notes on the podcast page of my website, well-well-well.co.uk. I'll also add a link to the ticket sales website as soon as they go on sale. If you'd like to win two free tickets for a performance of the play at the Barbican, please leave a review for the Happy Menopause podcast on Apple iTunes and then share it on social media. Tag me in at at well-well-well-uk or share it with me to show you've entered. The competition closes on 1st of January 2020, but for full terms and conditions, please see the episode show notes on my website. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave a star rating and a review on whichever platform you listen on. It makes a huge difference to the visibility of the podcast and really helps to spread the word. Next month, I'll be speaking to Dr. Louise Wiseman, GP and author who'll be sharing her special tips for radiant health when you're over 40. So check in with us if you think you could do with a top-up of radiance. Thanks so much for listening and bye for now.